Shaders. Good morning, Twin Cities, and welcome to the Pet Connection Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Uh, blustery, is that a good way to describe the day? That's how I felt driving over here, and I had a few walks here this morning, and of course, taking care of the dogs at the building that spent the night, but my Gosh, is it windy outside. You know, if you don't have to go out, I don't think you should. And isn't there some sort of, I haven't listened to the weather, but isn't there some sort of warnings, maybe even for us here in the Twin Cities? It's best to check pet appreciators before you head out. Uh, Stay safe. Stay safe and warm. And um, hopefully this crazy weather will move on and we'll be thinking about spring. Um, But anyways, I'm Kathy Menard, your host. but I'm not the only host of the show. Of course, Dr. Nicole Peralt is our other host, and um, she's calling in from um, I think her home in I think her home in Wisconsin this morning. So I just want to say good morning to you, Dr. Nicole. Happy to have you back on the show. And um, how are you? And how are all the critters? Good morning. Everybody here is fine, but it definitely we've got some very large, very tall snowdrifts that I had to um, shovel a little past for my little old geriatric dogs to be able to get through. So, um, yeah, it's very, very windy um, over here in Wisconsin, um, probably about the same as what you guys are dealing with. But, um, yeah, it's just crazy. I'm sitting here, and I can just see the trees just dancing like crazy out there. So it's it's definitely a, a blustery day. I think that was a great word to describe it. Yeah, definitely blustery and maybe even blizzardy. Uh, maybe yeah. we, we've risen to the blizzard warnings here as well in terms of the wind. You know, <laughs> when you were talking about high snow drifts, okay, um, my mind went right away to this place. Uh, I was driving on, okay, pet appreciators, if you know Edina, there's a street called 70th, you know, right off 100. And yesterday I was driving by and somebody, and you know, at the end of the driveways, of course, that's where most of the the snow ends up, right? Because of your snow blowing or shoveling or the plows or whatever. So these are like really high snow drifts at the end of the driveways. And um, there was one one person or family or whatever that took spray paint and on the snowbank wrote, free snow. <laughs> God, that was so funny to see. I just thought that was so cute, funny, hilarious. And um, I will always, always have that in my mind. Throughout the rest of the winter. laugh for people driving by, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, it was just, for me anyways, it was hilarious. And I wish I would have stopped and taken a picture. But you know what? It's not there today because of more snow. So they'll have to go (laughs) and and paint again um, on their snowbank. But... But whatever. So, um, but anyways, good morning to you, pet appreciators. If if you have any, um, you know, questions, especially medical questions, you know, today is a great day to call in because Dr. Nicole is only on a couple Sundays a month. So if you have any medical questions, cats or dogs, um, always feel free to call in. And the number is 952-946-6205. Again, it's 952-946-6205. Because um, we always appreciate hearing from you and wanting to know what your challenges are or, or new things that you may have learned and want to share with us and everybody else. But I know one thing that's on my mind a little bit that we could start the conversation off with is, is seizures. Um you know, I've been taking care of dogs through my business, the Urban Dog, for uh, twenty over 20 years. And it seems like there's always a dog um, in my care at some point during the year or sometimes one of my own dogs that struggles with seizures. And, you know, it doesn't matter to me. And I don't know how it is for you, pet appreciators, if you've been through this. But for me, I always have the same level of fear whenever a seizure happens. Like I never, um, I always kind of, I don't want to say go into panic mode, but I'm always on high alert. I'm always a little scared. You know, I know what to do, but that doesn't always help me with my feelings. And I'm always so relieved when it's done and I, when the seizure is done. And um, and I'm always left feeling kind of helpless, you know, and always wanting to to do more and learn more and and that kind of thing. And so you know there's a dog that that I'm taking care of. It's actually one of my dogs now because as many of you know, sometimes when a, when a dog dog's owners pass away, you know, often they'll end up with me. 
you know, if they've been a client for a while. And sometimes that's prearranged um, if there's been an illness. And sometimes it's very spur of the moment, you know, if it's a, if it's a death of an owner that is not expected. So, but there's, there's a dog that is now like one of my dogs and he's had seizures on and off, um, but always sort of controlled. But then, you know, every once in a while there'll be a hiccup and, um, you know, I'm just going through the hiccup time and I always find it so scary. So Dr. Nicole, for me and anybody else that goes through it or, or might go through it in the future, you know, when do you really need to panic? When is a seizure too long? What are some of the other signs during a seizure that you need to pay attention to that might, you know, signal something else? I don't know. But I'm looking for a refresher. And um, and I know that there's medication and stuff that we can do to moderate it and change it and blah, blah, blah. And I know that there was one dog. Boy, we've been taking care of him his whole life. He was, um, you know, rescued off the side of a, a road in in Wisconsin, just wandering, you know, all by himself, no tags, no microchip. And he had he had um, he had so many seizures per day. I mean, sometimes well well over twenty. And um, but it was due to because because he was we don't know how he got out into the wilderness along this country road, but he had been shot at. Um, and so he had shrapnel and he still does. He has shrapnel pieces in his body in a number of places. And because of that shrapnel, because of the lead and the bullets, that's what is triggering his seizures. And that's why he was so hard to treat because all these little shrapnel pieces, impossible to remove from his body. So he's just stuck with them in there. And it took a couple of years. And with the great help of the University of Minnesota Medical School, their medical team, um, they happened to be doing a study with human seizure medication. And that's what ended up working for him. He takes about, I think, eight different um, pills in a day. But he went from 20 plus seizures a day, you know, down to nothing here in about five or six years. He hasn't had one in about five or six years. So there's definitely help out there. Um, and of course, he was the extreme. But gosh, Dr. Nicole, what are everything? I just want to talk about everything about seizures. Why some dogs? Why some not? You know, I'll let you. I'll let you sh- share. Sure. So, with seizures, it, if you, I guess, what I tell people, um, that there can be dogs, you know, and cats that will have, you know, one seizure in their lifetime and may never have another one again, and that's wonderful um, if that's the the way it goes. However, it's really important to note the time, um, the time of the seizure, not during the day, but like at what age did the first seizure occur? Because there are some kind of statistics that show, you know, if the seizures start between, you know, the age of like one and five years of age, usually that is going to be due to idiopathic epilepsy. And so that just means they have epilepsy. We don't know why. Um, and those are the dogs that generally at least in my experience, do pretty well. Um, you know, there are so many medications, like you mentioned. Now, there are other age categories, too. Like, if a, if the seizures are, are happening and the animal is less than one year of age, we might be worried more about some, you know, fungal or viral or, um, you know, infectious causes, you know, something that is not permanent, um, maybe something um, as simple as, you know, is this dog you know, having a low blood sugar and it's triggering seizures. Well, why is that low blood sugar happening? Things like that. And then if they're over the age of five, it does increase the likelihood that this could be due to some type of a brain issue, whether it be a brain tumor um, or some other, you know, problem, um, you know, in their body. And so the, the, the age that the seizures start is very, very important. Um, and, and then what we generally do is there are several medications. Um, actually, I should back up a little bit. The first diagnostic tool always is recommended, and that's an MRI. Um, that can be quite cost prohibitive for some people. It's probably an upwards of maybe $2,000. Um, and that's going to, 
you know, make sure that we're not dealing with something else. You know, there's not a tumor. There's not, you know, a site of inflammation somewhere. There's not a bleed somewhere. Um, everything checks out normally, you know, and then the animal would then be said to, to most likely have epilepsy. There are so many medications now um, from phenobarbital to zonisamide to levetiracetam, which is Keppra. Um, there's many other medications, potassium bromide, gabapentin. Um, there's, you know, even a food now that has, um, that has recently kind of been showing some positive effects, and that's called NeuroCare. Um, it's a prescription diet. Um, it's a ProPlan um, diet. And I haven't had anybody use that yet, and primarily because the bag of food is so small. It's like, I think, an 11-pound bag when some of these dogs are 80 pounds. That's like, um, that's probably not the most cost-effective way to feed your animal. Um, but there are just so many reasons why to start one drug over another. You know, one of the, the older drugs is phenobarbital, and that's still widely used today. Um, I think two of the newer ones, and actually Keppra or Levetiracetam is probably one of the more common ones that animals are now started out on. Um, animals that have had seizures for years and years are probably on drugs like phenobarbital, potassium bromide, but zonisamide and Keppra are going to be the two kind of newer meds over the past couple of years. And the reason we like those is they do seem to have fewer side effects. So they, you know, they might have uh, less side effects on the dog's body. Um, you know, the dog, the dogs usually don't eat as much, drink as much, urinate as much, gain as much weight. Um, so they're just, oh, and we're, there's the music. Yep, yep, there's the music again. Um, to be continued, we'll continue this conversation on the other side. Uh, please stay with us, pet appreciators. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuchke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake Hi, this is Laura, and I want to tell you about my family's favorite thing. It's our wood stove. We bought it about 14 years ago from Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And see, the wood stove has actually paid for itself because we can keep the main area that we live in toasty warm with this great moist heat. But more important than saving money, it has actually improved our lives. Having a fire simplifies life. It provides comfort. It sort of takes the chill out of winter. I'm Peter Solak. In 1977, I started Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And I experienced the simple joy of warming myself by a fire. I also realized that the place and the way we embrace fire has evolved in a diversity of forms and styles. So at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have brought together the widest selection of our fireplace products and technical knowledge in the Twin Cities. Our mission is to use our knowledge to help you choose the design and function that is right for you and your home. Visit Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces today and find the right fire for you. Rudy Luther Toyota has a great selection of new vehicles, but Rudy Luther is also one of the largest volume Toyota certified used vehicle dealers in the country. They have better prices than many non-certified dealers, and they offer a 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty, feature incredibly low interest rates, and all their vehicles go through a comprehensive inspection and reconditioning process. And right now, they're paying top dollar for your trade-in, even if you don't buy from them. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Total Dog Company is the destination dog food and gear store on the west side of the Twin Cities with easy access off of 169. We have a growing group of loyal customers and increasing numbers of referrals from dog professionals and dog parents because we carry quality products, give sound advice, and are easy to do business with. Total Dog Company keeps up on the latest developments in dog nutrition and products. Find us in New Hope off of 169 at 9432 36th Avenue North and at TotalDogCompany.com. 
for sticking with us, pet appreciators. And if you're just joining us, you're listening to the Pet Connection Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Kathy Menard, Dr. Nicole Peralt, we're your host today. And uh, we were talking um, and learning a lot from Dr. Nicole about seizures. And um, I want, I would love it if you could just jump right back in, Dr. Nicole. Um, and and I, I do have some follow-up questions, but I know you were just finishing uh, some information. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, basically with, you know, the different medications, it's it's going to be simply talking to your veterinarian, um, you know, weighing the pros and the cons of the cost versus how many times a day the medications can be given due to work schedules, things like that. You know, if the dog has other what we call comorbidities, so other disease processes, you know, that he or she might be on other medications for. All of that is taken into consideration when we're choosing a medication. Um, and a lot of people will ask, you know, when is the best time to start an animal on seizure medication? And I'm certainly not a neurologist, but I pester them a lot. So um, I, I know that, you know, the new consensus is, is thought to be if they're having, you know, more than two seizures in a six-month period, um, those are definitely dogs that should be started on an anticonvulsant medication. Um, and then, you know, the question always comes up to when animals are on seizure anticonvulsant medica- excuse me, medications, you know, what is the goal of therapy? And to me, the goal is like the dog that you, you explained, Kathy, you know, no seizures. That would be perfect, perfect response to medication. So we're not having any seizures. The dog is doing fine. There are going to be cases, um, you know, I have a case that the dog used to have, you know, several seizures every day, um, and now they're down to maybe, oh, maybe one seizure every couple of months or something like that, so it's much more manageable. I still would, would like, you know, to hear that the dog is having absolutely zero seizures, but um, sometimes that is not always the case, and, and that might just tell us that we might need to tweak something somewhere, whether or not we add a medication um and that's the other thing with medications is we generally will start with one, see how they do, and then um, if that is not working, you know, it's important to check their levels and make sure that, they're, um, that their drugs are, are at a nice normal level in the body. And if that, you know, if the levels come back low, we know we have some wiggle room to kind of move up a little bit. You know, we might take one tablet to one and a half tablets or something like that. Um, and then, you know, rechecking that level again, you know, in four to six weeks just to kind of see have we gotten it up a little bit. Um, if the dog is still or cat is still having seizures and we're, we're kind of nearing that high end of the normal range or almost to the toxic range, then we need to talk about adding in a different medication or switching off of that primary drug. Um, so there's just so many things to think about. It's quite complex, um, but that's kind of, I think, the general um, synopsis of seizures. All right, so um, it, it's just so scary and unpredictable because you just can't see. It's not like they do something and then have a seizure. You know what I mean? It just kind of like hits them. At least that's my experience. Yeah. Now, okay, so one of the things that worries me is like, okay, so this little dog, Dano, you know, the times that I've seen him have a seizure is is in the middle of the night. Um, and that's because he usually sleeps on the floor close to the bed and then I can hear him. You know, I can hear the seizure and that wakes me up. But what really – and so I'm, you know, I'm always thinking, oh, okay, this is a seizure. He hasn't had one for like three or four months or or whatever. And so, you know, that's kind of like the framework that I'm working with. But – are there signs without – like if, when I'm not there and he might be alone or just with the other dogs or something for a little bit, what if he has a seizure and I don't know about – are there signs of like that a dog had a seizure when you're not around, you know, to look for? Yes, and that – well, sometimes there can be and that's such a, a maddening – thought and question because I, I have a kitty with seizures, Hercules, he has epilepsy. And so I always, always, always wonder because I work long hours, you know, is he having a seizure when I'm not here? Um, and some of the clinical signs or some of the signs that you can see, you know, might be, is there some saliva, 
like a bunch of saliva on his bed or is there a puddle of urine somewhere or is there urine on his bed? Um, so those are going to be signs that, you know, maybe it's possible he had a seizure during the day. The other scary thing about dogs, and it's probably true for cats as well, but the scary thing is that when an animal is having a seizure, you know, sometimes it can be quite violent. And the other animals in the household, I have heard cases of, of this, will actually attack that animal when they're having a seizure. And so that's very, very scary to think about. Um, it, and so it makes you want to to make sure that your, you know, epileptic animal is kind of safe away from other animals while you're gone because, I mean, can you imagine how sad that would be? You know, your animal is having a seizure. It's not their fault. They're not aware. And the other dogs are also scared and they don't understand what's going on. And so the natural instinct is to attack that animal. And, I mean, that just would add significant insult and injury to an already sad situation. So, you know, we have heard people say, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened, but my epileptic dog, you know, has some bloody spots or marks on his legs and we don't know what happened. You know, it's quite possible that another one of the animals had been trying to like nip at the dog during the seizure. So there's a lot of different things that can happen. Um, a lot of people will put cameras um, on their epileptic animals just so that, you know, if there's significant amount of movement, that camera might trigger um, or, you know, you can be watching in from home. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is hard. Aside from being home all the time, I feel like there's really no no way to perfectly prevent, you know, things like that from happening or to know, really. Right, right. And, um, you know, like you said, with the other dogs reacting, I haven't seen that myself, but I can imagine it because, you know, sometimes when there's a dog that – do you have you ever been around a dog pet appreciators that like kind of overreacts to um, a scary situation or overreacts to pain? You know, I'm not like diminishing that, that you know painful or scary experience, but they might really overreact and kind of um, you know scream out at a really high pitched and and you know it gets pretty dramatic. And then I've seen other dogs want to stop that and they'll they'll go after that dog you know just to try and stop the intensity of it and um you know i mean in my mind it's the dogs that are just trying to stop a, a situation they don't understand or that they're worried about or afraid about and just in my mind it's just like attacking it puts puts it to the end you know that that scary situation will come to an end but um but yeah it is cuz you do have to to consider those dog dy- dynamics um and I'm not saying put it to the end, like to hurt the dog, but just to get it to stop or whatever. But um, fortunately, this hasn't ever happened with Dano, but or or any other dog that I've seen. But it is um, it is scary, and the cameras are very um, helpful, you know. So I think that that's a great idea. Can I? Ask, oh shoot, I can't ask because I wanted to get back to like the food. You brought up a food, boy, did that pique my interest? But we only have um, about twenty seconds, so. You know, mostly I'm wondering, Dr. Nicole, and we can talk about it on the other side, is it something that will replace the medicine itself or is it more of a supplement to the medicine? And we can address that on the other side with Dr. Nicole. Please stay with us, pet appreciators. Minnesota's appliance specialist at Warner Stellion offer more ways to save, including fast free delivery, basic installation from specialists you can trust, free haul-away, and long-term no-interest financing to qualified buyers. Enjoy guaranteed savings through February 25th on top-selling appliances from around the world. Join over 300,000 Minnesota homeowners. Choose Warner Stellion to be your appliance specialist. Atheists Talk is the radio show for free-thinking Minnesotans. Listen on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. Every Sunday we bring you science, philosophy, politics, and plain old fun from an atheist point of view. Visit our website at minnesotaatheists.org for more details. Tune in to Atheists Talk Radio Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's good radio without the good book. 
After celebrating the blue wave at the Blue State Ball, join me, Tom Hartman, the morning after for brunch at the Downtowner Woodfire Grill. The brunch will include a small group of other AM 950 listeners as you get to discuss with me the big issues of the day in an intimate setting. It takes place Sunday, March 3rd at 10.30 with a delicious brunch at the Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul. There's plenty of free parking available in the lot next to the Downtowner Woodfire Grill and across the street at Burger Moe's. Tickets are $150 and are very limited, so guarantee your spot at my brunch now by calling 952-946-8885. Again, it's your chance to meet with me in a small group setting the day after the Blue State Ball on Sunday, March 3rd at the Downtowner Woodfire Grill. For tickets, call 952-946-8885. 952-946-8885. Details at am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. See you there. Hello, humans. This is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio. Newsflash about my show. It's now an hour long, running from 7 to 8 a.m. every Monday. The longer time slot will allow for interviews of idealists doing important work in the world. Ellie 2.0 Radio. Listen every Monday from 7 to 8 a.m. My show, it's engaging and real And it's on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Moe's Tax Service on Ford Parkway in St. Paul has been preparing tax returns since 1971. They're one of the most successful independently owned tax services in the country with a diverse team of highly trained and screened tax preparation experts. Tax laws and forms are always changing, and you need someone who is a dedicated tax preparation professional. Visit www.moestax.com. That's M-O-H-S tax.com. Or give them a call, 612-721-2026. Most tax service, they work for you, not the IRS. For years, my father sexually abused me. For years, I abused alcohol and drugs to stop the hurt and rage. For years, I was afraid I would become a perpetrator just like him. I'm sober now. I've received help to recover from sexual abuse. I rely on our pipe, our ceremonies, and our culture. For the rest of my life, I'll be learning how to live with my past because overcoming the abuse of my childhood has made me the strong man that I am today. As men in our Indian communities, we must hold each other accountable and overcome our own past of sexual abuse so that we can break this cycle. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Welcome back, Pet Appreciators. Welcome back to the Pet Connection Show here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Oh, Dr. Nicole, so I'm so curious about this food you were talking about, um, NeuroCare Pro Plan, I think you mentioned. Um, and, and is that, is that, is it like food with medicine in it for dogs with seizures or is it a supplement or like a little topper to sprinkle on or snacks or, or what exactly is it? And, and, does it replace medicine? Um, no, it's definitely just a, it's a diet. Um, it's a prescription diet. So it's a Purina Pro Plan, I think veterinary line. Um, and it's, it, I don't believe that it's intended at all to, to replace medication, but I think it's used as an kind of an adjunctive type of therapy. So it would be, um, you know, it's got a lot of different like nutrients in it. I think it's higher in the B vitamins. Um, it's going to have like medium chain triglycerides. Um, you know, it's got a lot of different, you know, omegas and things like that. So, um, I don't know. I've been hearing some pretty good things about it. So I haven't, like I said, I haven't used it in any of my cases yet. I've been, you know, recommending it strongly as if people want to try it. But I think, like I said, a lot of the, a lot of the times the patients that I've been talking about it to, um, those, those owners have dogs that, you know, are, are big dogs. And at this time, I think the, the bag was quite small. So, and it was quite expensive. I feel like it would have been like over $200 to feed a dog per month. Um, and that was kind of a, um, I guess a, a under, like I was trying to underestimate. <laughs> it could be certainly higher than that. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an important kind of, adjunctive therapy. I don't know how well it will work, but I, like I said, I've heard some good things about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes me think too about some people who like to prepare their own food at home for their dogs, maybe working with a nutritionist, um, probably over at the University of Minnesota Vet Clinic. Maybe they could help figure out just like you said, they had more omega, whatever, more vitamin B or whatever you were talking about. You know, maybe they can even, if you, if you're somebody out there, 
that would prefer to make your own dog food um, and you do have a dog with seizures, I would talk with a nutritionist to see if you can come up with a similar plan other than the commercial food just to make sure that you're getting the right um, benefits um, from what this this um, dog food is, is talking about. But um, well, and one, Go ahead. One note on that too, if, if people do want to make their own foods, you can go to the website is called balanceit.com. Oh, I don't know if it's .com or .org. Um, but it's balance it. And then you can actually fill a little profile where it'll ask you, you know, what are your dog or cat's needs? Um, you know, do they have allergies? Are they overweight? Do they have seizures? Things like that. Um, and then it will plug in, you know, an ideal diet for that animal's needs. And, and then the biggest thing is you, you need to make sure that you're feeding them you know, the actual, like, balance it vitamins so that they're getting the amino acids that they need to. But that's a really good source for people, too, if people aren't to do their own home cooking. I remember you brought this up months ago, and I forgot about that. Yeah. What? I'm so glad you mentioned that because there's so many people that, you know, really want to be able, you know, they want to be able to provide the, the nutrition for their dogs. I mean, actually, don't we all? But um, but they're very, very committed and, you know, to preparing their own dog's food and, and not going the commercial route. And I'm just so glad to hear that there's a resource out there that is very detailed and accurate to help people be the best kind of pet owners that they want to be, you know, and that's, that's such a, a decision that's up to each one of us, you know, defining what, what is a really good pet owner and how are we going to, you know, carry this out emotionally and, and with our homes and our environments and financially and all that kind of thing. And, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Balanceit.org or balanceit.com, correct? Yes, I'm sorry. I can't remember. Oh, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> Which one it is. That's You'll okay. be able to tell, though, when you check it out. Exactly. Exactly. Gosh. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I'm just so grateful. I, I've just been writing away, writing away, taking notes. Um, because it is, it's just not, it's just not a predictable illness. You know, you can't like always see when it's going to come on and, and see when it's a seizure is not going to, you know, but does it, do, do dogs ever outgrow them? I don't think the one I have will. Um, and there was no. another dog I had that he had him even even less, and we never did the medication route because it it didn't quite reach the two seizures per six months kind of thing. It was more like a seizure every eighteen months or something. But can they ever outgrow him? Well, I think I think they can. Um, I think animals that do this are probably going to be younger animals. Um, but the the more common I think question that we get all the time is, you know, an animal that's been on their seizure medication for many years and they're doing really well. We have some owners that all of a sudden decide to stop the medication because they want to see if the dog has seizures. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that because the the medication is working for that animal. So, you know, why would we stop the medication if it's working? And so I think a lot of people have that question, you know, will my animal always need this medication and with with seizures once they're on medication i i personally think it's the best option to leave them on their medication especially if it's working um you know animals yeah like for a variety of reasons some people might find what triggers a seizure i mean there are a lot of studies um kind of talking about the fact that stress you know if the animal is in a stressful situation real busy chaotic lifestyle it can predispose to seizures. So, you know, dogs with seizures and cats with seizures, we do want to keep their lives kind of stress-free if we can um, as much as possible. Not a lot of changes. Keep the routine very sa- the same. Um, you know, but I, I, most of them, in my experience, do not grow out of them, unfortunately. Okay. All right. And I was going to ask you about stress. You know, are there certain things that trigger it? Um, um, yeah, I was just going to ask you, ask you about it because I tell you, he, he, there is a pattern with him that within three or four days of going to the groomer, he will have a seizure. It's almost predictable, but it's like three or four days later. Really? But, but that's exactly, I can almost pinpoint it, you know? And Mm, so, but, but that's kind of like really delayed or 
basically just a coincidence. I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so hard to know. It, it really is. You know, I had a client that um, was adamant that, you know, any product with wheat was responsible for causing the seizures. Um, and so they tried very, very hard just to cut out all the wheat products. And I mean, I don't know that there's a way to ever prove that, but if, if the owners, you know, want to do that and it's working, then I think that's fine. I don't know how much truth to it there is, but I definitely tell people, you know, if they want to limit exposure to certain things that they, they truly believe are causing seizures, I don't think that's a problem. Right, right. Especially because there's so many unknown, unknown things yes. that sometimes it's helpful just to, yeah, if you're really dead set on trying something just to see, um, that's for sure. That's where, you know, logging things and, you know, especially if you have a busy family, um, it might be a good idea to have some sort of a log, um, whether it be, you know, a computer type, um, you know, information gathering you're doing, you know, that maybe the family system can send emails to each other or whatever, or, you know, just a paper log, just a good old fashioned notebook, um, you know, just to keep track of it. That might be helpful too as well. Um, but scary, 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 scary. So, so before we uh, switch topics here, I just wanted to ask, is there anything else you wanted us to know about seizures that you think is important, Dr. Nicole? Well, I think the only other thing that I usually tell clients is, you know, when we're not home, I, I think it's really important to make sure that the the dog with epilepsy, you know, is somewhere where they're safe. You know, they're not in an area where they could potentially fall down the stairs if they had a seizure. Um, you know, there's not a lot of sharp objects in the room where the animal is, is kept. Um, might be safest that the animal is in like a padded type of crate or something like that um, without a collar on and, you know, things like that in case the collar got hooked on, on the crate. Um, it's, it's hard though. I mean, they can't live in a bubble and that's unfortunately sometimes I think what would be ideal for them. But, um, yeah, and I think one other question we get is, you know, how do you know when when to take your dog into the vet if they have a seizure? Like, how many is too frequent? Um, and I, I definitely think if your dog was well-controlled and is all of a sudden now having more seizures, I, I definitely think it warrants going to the vet, you know, getting some blood work checked, a full urine screen, a thyroid screen, all of that, just to make sure there's not something off-kilter, you know, internally, you know, and then talking about, okay, do we add this food or do we try adding another medication? Certainly animals that are having like what we call cluster seizures, where they're having several a day or one on top of the other, those are animals that unfortunately sometimes need to be hospitalized on an IV catheter with, um, you know, medications that are being given through their, their vein to stop the seizure and then try to figure out, okay, what's going on? what's our new, you know, medication protocol, and then they can go home and be monitored. But cluster seizures can be kind of scary because, you know, they the worry is that they're going to bring on like a grand mall, like big seizure that, you know, it's hard to to come out of sometimes and can be fatal. So I think it just, like you said, keeping a log is super important. And then just talking to your vet about any concerns that you have is also important. You know, getting back to the thing about the, the crate, um, and then can I, I, I want to ask something about the crate, you know, like you said, a padded crate, if, if they don't have a, like a really, um, sort of, you know, uh, nicer environment or whatever, if they're too close to the stairs or too many corners on tables, et cetera. Um, but I, so I want to ask that, but I also want to ask just real quick here. We just got a couple minutes left. Um, how long is a typical seizure seizure? Cause Dano seemed to be about. I don't know, 20 seconds to 60 seconds, and then it just kind of stops. Is that normal? What's What would be abnormal? How long can, should when, – when should you just pick the dog up and go to the ER because the seizure is lasting too long? Oh, that's a, that's a good question, and I don't know the answer to, you know, how long. Um, neurologists probably would. Um, I mean – your average seizure is, is kind of what you described, I would think. it's They're quite short. I know my cat, Hercules, if he ever has one, um, 
and he primarily has facial seizures. So that's the other thing is these animals can have different types of seizures. They can just have facial where they're kind of like almost like it looks like they're biting at a fly. Um, or they can have these full body where they're laying on the ground and they're convulsing. You know, some animals will urinate, they'll defecate, they'll foam at the mouth. Um, they can vary in their level of aggressiveness and violence. Um, and so I, I feel like if, I don't know, for me, if the seizure wasn't stopping after, oh goodness, I'm, I'm maybe a minute or two, I, I think that's too long. But again, that is very limited experience on my part in, in knowing the level of the, the time. Um, but I, I think if you're ever concerned, I would just scoop the animal up and bring them in sooner than later. Right, right. Because I, I often wonder, is there brain damage going on? I mean, I just, yeah. you know, I just don't know. It can happen. Yeah. So it's important, I think, uh, yeah, to get them in. And um, I'll have to do my other follow-up question about the great here on the other side. Please stay with us, pet appreciators. Tom Hartman here for All Energy Solar. One of the myths about solar is that you save more if you wait, but waiting to switch can actually cost you more. While tax rebates make solar affordable, those rebates are often limited and decrease over time. So when you wait, you risk losing some of the incentives that make solar so easy to afford today. And besides, the sooner you get your all-energy solar system, the sooner you reduce or even eliminate that high electricity bill. Make the switch today at allenergysolar.com. Finding the best foods the Twin Cities has to offer is easy with EatLocalMinnesota.com. Offering the top local and independently owned restaurants, EatLocalMinnesota.com has everything from burger joints to cocktails and fine dining. It's Greek to Me has been a family-owned Lynn Lake landmark since 1982. Under new ownership, the Janakis Karis family offers classically inspired modern Greek cuisine in a sublime space with gracious hospitality. Be sure to visit their charming bar and explore wines and specialty drinks from Greece. Find It's Greek to Me at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at itsgreektomemn.com. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club invites you to check out their beautiful facilities for your next special occasion. Book your wedding reception, retirement party, business dinner, or other special event with confidence, knowing their expert staff and award-winning chef will make it a big hit with your guests. Call today to get a quote, 763-571-9020. Did you realize that Drink in the Style is available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much every other podcast platform out there? You can listen to past episodes of Drink in the Style, or maybe download our really cool martini glass graphic, or just listen to your favorite episode again and again. But if you do, I need to ask you for a quick favor. Hop online and give us a five-star rating. It helps others find the show and also boosts my fragile ego. Drink in the Style. It's a great way to kill Sundays or really anytime at all. The infrared sauna at Awaken Living not only helps you get out of the cold, but also improves your health. This is not your typical sauna experience. The far infrared heats your body internally, causing you to sweat profusely over your entire body, yet has no odor. Because the far infrared sauna at Awaken Living doesn't use moisture, you will experience no trouble breathing, which can be typical in traditional saunas. The far infrared sauna at Awaken Living improves circulation, which translates into improved oxygen flow, muscle relaxation to reduce pain, increased healing time, faster muscle recovery time, and decreased inflammation. According to the Mayo Clinic, several studies looked at using far-infrared saunas in the treatment of problems such as high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, and rheumatoid arthritis. They found promising results and no adverse side effects. So come to Awaken Living and try their far-infrared sauna. It will improve your vitality and help relax your muscles, body, and mind. Schedule an appointment today by calling 952-452-8583 or visiting awakenlivinginfusion.com. Right, Dr. Nicole, one more follow-up question, and then I promise I won't, I won't uh, bug you about this anymore. Um, but anyways, it's been a really informative conversation about seizures in dogs and cats, and I really appreciate it. And I really hope that if there's anybody out there right now with a, a dog or a cat experiencing that, that you've gotten some good refreshers or maybe some reassurance or some more information. And then for those of us pet owners who might, who might have a a dog or a cat in the future, just know that um, it's not epilepsy or seizures. It's not a death sentence, even though on the rare occasions it might be um, if it gets real severe. 
but that it is manageable. And there's lots of research going on about that. Um, and so we, we just don't want you to feel alone, you know, because it is a scary thing. So um, there's lots of help out there. So if, if you experience a seizure in your pet and you don't know what to do, get to the vet right away. But just so you know, it it's manageable and you, your dog can live a very normal life. But getting back to the crate thing. Okay, so crate size to me, I just want to make sure that I get your opinion on it because you're the expert, Dr. Nicole. But maybe if your pet starts, your dog starts to have seizures, you might want to rethink the whole size of the crate. Um, and and the and Dr. Nicole brought up a good thing about the collar. You don't want the collar to get stuck on one of the wires if it's a regular wire crate. Um, and they're convulsing back and forth. That could be very, very dangerous. Um, so maybe even looking at the travel crates, the pl- the plastic bin kind of travel crates or whatever. But I'm also thinking from my own experience, um, you know, Dano had – he didn't really need a crate. But, you know, sometimes he would just sleep in a crate at night. No big deal. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, just whatever, wherever he wanted to go. And um, – but he was always like next to me. But it was a comfy crate. You know, he could stand up, move around, whatever. But when he had a seizure in that crate, I realized right away, uh-uh, you know, bigger, bigger crate. Because, you know, his body goes full out and the convulsion is back and forth, back and forth. And I would hate to have some sort of, you know, like neck injury just because he's convulsing in like a fetal position or something. You know what I mean? Because he could, his body just wasn't naturally spreading out. You know, for the seizure. Now, Dr. Nicole, comment on that. And then just sort of like blankets and stuff. I mean, I always have blankets and pillows and I'm I'm just pathetic. I mean, I – every dog has blankets and pillows and you know what? They got to (laughs) match. Everything has to match (laughs) and it has to be sort of the color or the design or or of the personality of the dog. I'm just anal about that. I just put so much – you know, sort of like tender loving care into what their crates might be or or what their crates will be if they are a dog that has to be crated at night. But anyways, I always worry like if the blanket's too thick or something that when they're convulsing back and forth, the blanket can go over their face. And I know I'm going getting a little paranoid here, but then they're going to suffocate. So what do you tell paranoid people like me? Well, I'm also one of those paranoid people, so I don't know know if I'm the best person to ask. Um, But I guess I would try to have, you know, the blankets be very flat, you know, not a lot of fluffiness to them. Um, If somebody ever invented it, maybe there is something like this, but I feel like it would be so nice if there was a big, huge crate, almost like a padded little room, um, where the sides of the of the crate and even the door, you know, was was somehow padded, but yet so the animal could see out, of course, so they're not stuck in a black box or something all day. Um, I think that would be ideal. And then, you know, you wouldn't have to have a ton of blankets. You could maybe have, you know, a small blanket, but it is it is a risk. There's always going to be a risk. Um, you know, the the risk of leaving them in a crate in case they have a seizure to hopefully protect themselves you know, might for some people be a bigger risk than just leaving them open in a small room. So I feel like you kind of have to assess your individual home and your rooms and, you know, where you where you think um, the dog is safest, you know, and judging by what their seizures have looked like before, if they're very violent, if they're not very violent, things like that. It is hard. It's hard to know what to do. There's probably not a perfect right answer, honestly. All right. Well, I I appreciate I the feedback though, but it's it, but you're you're right, individual. And that's um and that's I mean that, that it comes down to you know, treating your dog with the the best what he or she needs individually no matter what, whether it's a seizure prone dog or not. But that's just excellent advice. I so appreciate being able to talk this over with you. And again, I hope that you know, um anybody listening will will benefit from this as well. Um and then I, I just wanted to make just a quick announcement because the other week, maybe last week, maybe the week before, I'm not sure, but we were talking about, um, you know, cold weather, 
Oh, it was a caller that called in and wanted to know if Rosedale was the only shopping mall because she did not live by Rosedale. If that was the only shopping mall where they could take dogs to walk indoors. And we kind of thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was probably the only one. But, but, uh, brace yourselves, pet appreciators. Today is the last day. They're do, they're, they're, they've decided to stop the management at Rosedale. And I don't know all the details, but today is or was the last day. And you know what? I'm not going to – I'm going to try really hard to not show my true colors about this. But it makes me mad um, that the reason why they were doing it – they had every right to do it. But it makes me mad because some, and I'm sure it was just a very few, were not cleaning up after their dogs. And when I read that, when I read why – they were closing. They just had this multi-million dollar renovation. They thought they would open it up for dog walking, you know, blah, 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 be pet friendly, et cetera. And then probably just a handful of owners were not cleaning up after their dogs. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You took your dog into a shopping mall and didn't have poop bags, didn't, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe, you know, maybe Rosedale sort of had to rethink it too. Like, boy, this... You know, it's it's a little more unpredictable if a dog has to pee somewhere and we don't have enough mops to go around or something like that. But gosh almighty, always have a poop bag, pet appreciators. Come on. And you were going to say something, Mr. Engineer. I was actually going to say what you just said because I remember I was on with you last time we were talking about that. And yeah. I was super excited to say about how it goes on for the whole year and everything. And I just found out from my friend who goes every weekend that today is the last day, sadly. Yeah, yeah. And I just wish, you know, I don't know. I just I just wish that a few of the people would have upped their um level of responsibility and thought, "You know what? No, 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 no. You know, we're not going to let the dog pee or poo in here. We're just not going to or they're going to wear a diaper or um you know, I don't know how it's set up, you know, but if you can go out the door, let him pee, come back in, walk to the next exit, go out the door, let him pee, come back in. I don't know how they had it set up. And it is and it is tricky though because dogs will have accidents. Dogs might get excited and just can't control it. Dogs will smell other dogs and naturally want to mark. So it's I don't know, you know, I mean I was a little upset with with like the the owners that you know, there's probably just a few that just didn't bring bags and just didn't you know what I mean? That's terrible. That's a naughty. That's not. That shouldn't happen. But I can also see too where being indoors, it's almost kind of an something that you can't ever really control. It probably wouldn't have ever been a a win win thing for a long period of time. I'm going to shut up because I don't have a cho- I don't have a choice. It's the end of the show. Have a great safe week, everybody. Enjoy a delicious home-cooked breakfast or lunch away from the kitchen at Milda's Cafe, now open seven days a week. Milda's Cafe has been cooking up family